The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that um, because you have overcome, we will overcome. Um, That, Lord, there is nothing, uh, Lord, that can entangle us. There is nothing that um, can hold us down um, eternally in you. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the victory that we find in you and in you alone. Um, Lord, we ask as we open your word, you give us understanding. For outside of you, there is no understanding. Um, So, Lord, speak clearly here today. We want to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, we have been moving through this book, I Am a Church Member. If you don't have a copy of the book and you like one, I really think it would be helpful, okay, because what we're preaching is not necessarily exactly uh, everything that's contained in the chapter, so there are some things that will be supplementary and and helpful to you. Um, They are over there, those books are right there, they're $5 a book, again, we're not profiting off of that, it's exactly what we paid for it, it'll be cheaper than what you can buy in the store, Uh, so $5, we'll have somebody there uh, you can get it there. So the first week we talked about I will be a functioning church member. We talked about the second week I'll be a unifying church member. Last week we said I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. And today we're on chapter 4. I will pray for my church leaders. Now how are we going to tackle this issue? Here's how we're going to tackle it. We're going to tackle it by using Questions. One of the things I love about being a dad of a three-year-old is how inquisitive he is, right? And, and the way that his mind works. His mind works in a, a very special way. And, uh, for example, the other day we were watching the movie Frozen. Anybody seen the movie Frozen? Excellent Disney movie. Absolutely excellent. It's got singing in it galore, which is a, a real Disney movie. It's really great. And uh, there's a part in it where the snowman is melting, um, and, and he looks at the girl and he says, some people are just melt, worth melting for, right? Which is just, oh, right? And so uh, Angela turns to Max and says, would you melt for mommy? And he says, I'm not a snowman, I'm a boy, and I'm made for Jesus. Which is just the, like the proudest dad moment ever. And I was like, just you are, right? And, uh, but, but my son, he's, he's at this point where he's asking questions. And he's trying to figure out how things work. So he's, he's asking a lot of what questions, a lot of why questions. We, we told him uh, recently that, that mommy has another baby in her tummy, that she's pregnant and he's going to have another brother or sister. Well, in his mind, it works out that, that the last time he had a brother and sister, he had a brother and sister. There were two there. So in his mind, they come in pairs. And so we were trying to explain to him, no, 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 Max, it's, that's not how it works. There's just one in there this time. And he said, why? He doesn't call it brother or sister. He calls it Piper or Jude because those are his brothers and sisters. And he said, why, why is there not, is there a Jude in my belly then? Like thinking there's got to be two. And I said, no, Max, there's just one. And he said, why is there just one? And I said, because God is very gracious and very kind to daddy. And he didn't want mommy to kill daddy. That's why there's just one. And so he's always asking questions. And so the same way today, I'm, I'm going to use, I'm, I'm going to get in Max's head today, and we're going to we're going to ask questions. That's how we're going to figure this one out. How what does it mean to pray for my church leaders? So we're going to ask who, what, why, and how. Those are the questions we're going to answer today. So let's start right at the top. Who who are church leaders? Well, perspective matters. If I were to go into the children's classroom right now, 
and ask uh, one, of the, one of the third graders, who is a church leader? Who leads this church? Uh, they might say their Sunday school teacher. They might say the teenager that's in the class helping them. That's a church leader, right? If I were to ask a student in the student ministry, who are, who are the church leaders, right? They might say their Sunday school teacher. They might say me. They might say, who knows what they might say. If I were to ask you, anybody in here, and I would say, who is, the, who is a church leader? We might get a bunch of different answers, right? So perspective matters. Well, the New Testament matters too. And if you look at the New Testament, there's a lot of church leaders listed there. Uh, we see deacons, apostles, evangelists, elders, bishops, pastors, prophets. And one of the things, by the way, just side note, one of the things that I love about this is that God, God has started his church, right? And, and he sent the Holy Spirit to help. Um, and then we serve a God of order who's given us a guideline and so many helps of, of how these offices uh, work and, and, and how our, our church should be structured. And so that's so incredible and so kind of God to give us such an orderly uh, uh, structure here and an orderly teaching here. But when I say church leaders today, who do I mean? And here's who I mean. I mean elders, bishops, pastors. And, and, and when I say all three of those, I think they're, they're one and the same. Um, those are titles used synonymously in the New Testament. And by the way, this is our church's stance on elders as well. That's why the pastors of this church are also serve as elders of this church, because they are synonymous. So when I, say, when I say church leaders today, I'm talking about elders. Now, yes, elders, uh, there's a diversity among elders. You, you can't read the New Testament and not see that. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So we see that some of the elders don't preach and teach. Therefore, there's diversity. There's different responsibilities. But the office is the same. So the elders, the elders are those who lead our church. They lead the local church. Our elders do that. And so they will be our focus today. When I say church leaders, that's who I mean. I'm talking about elders here. Now, two points of clarity. One, when I'm talking about praying for church leaders, because it's incredibly important and you're going to see why it's important. But Pray for all leaders, okay? Absolutely pray for that teenager who is watching your kids right now. Pray for uh, Sunday school teachers. Pray for the people working in our food ministry. Pray for all. That's absolutely important. In fact, you're commanded to, all right? So do that. Uh, but, but when I'm talking today, I, so I don't want you to think when I say pray for church leaders, and that's it. Don't pray for anybody else. I'm not saying that. Pray for all leaders. Absolutely do that. And secondly... Um, when I preach, I don't want to preach at you. I want to preach with you. And so let me, let me clarify a couple of things. When I say we today, or us, I'm referring to you and me as non-church leaders. And you say, but Grant, you're an elder. I get that. I get that. I'm preaching and I'm an elder. I get that. But for the sake of, of how I preach and wanting to preach with you, when I say we, I mean us. I'm not referring to church leaders there. And when I say they, I'm referring to church leaders and elders. Although I am one, I'm referring to them as they for this, okay? So I want to be clear on that because I'm going to say we a lot. I'm going to say us a lot. And, and I want that to include you, all right? So that's us, okay? And, and church leaders are they today. So there we go. You've got your uh, little glossary or thesaurus or whatever right there. Let's move on. So before we move on to what, can, can I answer another who question? If we're talking about church leadership, I, I guess the question comes up, who is of most importance, right? 
Because when you talk about that, you're talking about elders and, and if there's some sort of echelon here, if, we're, if we have some sort of organizational chart, it would seem they'd be at the top. So, so who's most important? I want to be very clear about this. Jesus, right? And you say, I know that I could have said Jesus, right? Yeah, that's the church answer. I get it. But it's right here. Jesus is of most importance. Colossians 1, 17 through 18. And he, that's Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he is the head of the body, our church. He, he gives us this picture that the church is the body of Christ. We're all together, members of the body of Christ, but he's the head, right? So he holds all things together, and he's preeminent. It's all about him. The elders are not preeminent. Okay, it's not about the elders fame. It's not about their name. Uh, It's not they're not the glue holding us together. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that's easy to lose when you talk about church leadership because they're up front. Right. Their name's on the sign, right? So, so it's, it's easy to say that and lose focus of that. I remember growing up and going to all kinds of different conferences and things and, and with, with my youth group. And it was easy to idolize uh, those, those church speakers and those pastors that I really like. I'm like, man, I want to be like that guy. And, 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 and he's, he's a really important guy. I remember even standing in line trying to get an autograph. What in the world? What is that good for? But anyway, like, like it was easy to idolize them. But the, the point is, this like Jesus is preeminent he's the head we're just individual members okay that that's it all right we're all in this together serving the head he's most important not the elders I don't want you to lose sight of this I don't want you to put them on a pedestal in some sense that that they serve some some sort of great importance over Christ never he is preeminent we have equality before God as heirs and children and priests and ministers but just some he's called to leadership here. That, that's the only difference there. So remember, although we're focusing on praying for church leadership, they are not preeminent. Jesus is. Okay, don't, please don't lose that. So, so we answered the who. Now we've got to answer the what. What do elders do? What do church leaders do? I'm sure a lot of people wonder that. Some of our elders might. What do elders do? Number one, their, one of their main jobs is to submit. Remember that analogy Jesus gave of, of, of the body of Christ, right? That we are parts of the members of the body of Christ, and, and we serve the head. Whatever the head tells us to do, the body does, right? If, if, uh, if the arm is just kind of doing whatever it does, like that, that's a problem. That's a disorder, right? Something's going on. You've got to get that in check, right? The body works to serve the head. And so the elders of the church, one of their primary responsibilities is, is to submit to Christ's headship. They need to submit personally as they follow Jesus. They need to make sure that they die to themselves, right? That Jesus is most important. What I want is not most important. What Jesus wants is most important. They also submit our vision for the church and our plans for the church to the headship of Christ, right? We might come up with some great plan and say, you know what? I, this sounds great. This seems like something we should really do. This seems like a, a worthy endeavor. But, but what the elders are supposed to do, what one of their main responsibilities is is to say, okay, that sounds great, but does it, is it what the head wants us to do? do is, is it what, where Jesus is leading us? Yeah, I know that's where we want to go. Is it where he wants us to go? And, and ultimately, they submit our, our church as a whole to the headship of Christ. And, and how do they do that? If one of their main responsibilities is to submit, then the other main responsibility that works hand-in-hand with submission is to pray. It's one of the elders' main responsibilities is to pray. 
maybe, maybe just, just more, than, uh, more than any other things we think of when we think of elders, one of their main responsibilities is to pray. Check this out in Acts 6. I think we have it on the screen. Check this out. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Okay, so, so the widows aren't getting what they need. Okay, they're not being taken care of. So check this out in verse 2. The twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It was so important to the health of the church and the growth of the church that the elders devote themselves to prayer, that they would neglect certain hands-on ministry that we would find very important. We would think they absolutely need to be at, they absolutely need to be a part of, but they would neglect those things. They would send other people to do that so that they could devote themselves to prayer. That's how important it is that our elders be men of prayer. And and, and, and that's still true today. I hope that's true of our elders. I, I hope that, that you don't see them involved in every aspect of our church. Why? Because they're sacrificing those moments to put more time into prayer. To submitting to the headship of Christ. So that's one of the things they do. They submit. The second thing they do is they serve. What do you think of when I say the word serve? Or, or when you think of somebody serving? I'll be honest. I, one of the first things that comes to mind... Uh, anybody watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Come on. Seriously? My dad's 70 years old. He watched Fresh Prince. All right? But anyway, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he had, uh, they, they had a butler on there. His name was Jeffrey. His last name was Butler. No joke. All right? So Jeffrey was their butler, and he always made fun of them, and he always had different jokes to tell. But the deal is, like, as a butler, what does he do? Whatever they tell him. Like, that's his job. Whatever they need him to do, he does it, right? Or, or I think of Alfred from Batman. Please, you, you have to know Batman, all right? Like, are we serious here? Okay, you guys know Batman. So, Alfred, the same way. What's his job? Whatever Bruce Wayne tells him, right? Like, that's his job. Uh, and and uh, even, even growing up, we, we had a nanny. Um, and as I think, like, what was her job? Her job was to do whatever my parents told her to take care of us, right? And, and so it, it's kind of like when you think of a servant, my first thought is, um, I mean, really, like an errand boy. They, they do what they're told, right? They, they do what they have to, to do. They do what, what someone tells them to do. But that's not what service is. You get that, right? Service is not just being about, like, a, a, an, an errand boy. But here's what it is. Instead, it means to work for the good of others using your gifts and your talents and your calling, right? So it's working for the good of others, right? That's what service is. It doesn't always look like running errands, but it's working for the good of others by using your gifts, your talents, and your calling. Jesus illustrates this in Luke 22. He says this, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader is the one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So Jesus says, I serve. What does that mean? If Jesus is a servant, right? If he serves, what does that mean? Does that mean that the disciples could say, Hey, Jesus, uh, my wine, uh, it's a little hot. Can you cool it down? Stick your, stick your miracle finger in here and uh, cool this down, right? Or, hey, Jesus, like, I, don't re- I don't know. I was going to go to the store. I didn't have a chance to. Could you get me? A, could you make me a hot pocket? Right, like 
No, Jesus wasn't their servant in that way. But Jesus did work for their good. He taught them. He corrected them. He led them. And he died for them because it was for their good. That service, in the same way, our elders don't serve you by being at your beck and call, right? If that were true, if that's what service really looked like, then we'd have to have a lot of elders, right? And they'd be, they better be at your house this morning giving you a wake-up call, right? And a little massage uh, or something like that. But no, no, no. They're, that's not what service means. It means this. They serve you through their obedience to God's calling. Because ultimately, them serving God's calling on them uh, is for your good. So let's see. How do they serve? How do elders serve? Well, through, through preaching of the Word, Acts 6 through protecting doctrine, right? So that we don't have all kinds of just crazy doctrine running around, protecting what the truth is, Titus 1. Uh, Through discipline, Matthew 18. Through praying for the sick, James 5. Through maintaining order, and all these things, by the way, you can find in Acts. Elders assign duties, they commission missionaries, they settle disputes, they handle financial support, they watch out for the spiritual well-being of the church, Hebrews 13. That doesn't necessarily fit our mold of, of when we think of service, right? Like elders should be buying me groceries, right? Elders should be, they, they, they should be cutting my lawn, right? Now, I wouldn't mind it if elders bought me groceries or cut my lawn, but that's not mainly how they serve. How they mainly serve is being obedient to God's calling on them because by being obedient to God's calling on them and doing all these things that we just listed, it's for your good. That's how they serve you. It's for your good that they do these things. So elders submit, they serve, and they shepherd. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're gonna, we've jumped around all over the scriptures today. We're going to continue to do that, but, um, but I'd like for you to see 1 Peter 5. I think we're going to put it on the screen, but I'd like for you to have it. If you can put it in your hand, put 1 Peter chapter 5. There's a table of contents in the front, by the way. Uh, you can find it. It's a very, very small book in the back of the Bible. Uh, so 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse one. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under the seats in front of you. You can take that. That's our gift to you. We don't want it back. You touched it, all right? So it's yours, First Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Are you there yet? I don't have time. Let's go. All right, here we go. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but by being an example to the flock. And when the chief priest, uh, chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, so look at verse 1 here. Peter gives his qualification to be instructing the elders. He says, I am an elder. All right, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a witness of Christ, especially his suffering, which I think is another way uh, of him saying, not only did I witness Christ's suffering, but, but I've suffered too. All right, so I share in that and will be complete in Christ when he returns. Right, I'll share in that glory, meaning I have the same hope as you. Basically, what he's saying is we're in the same boat here. I can talk to where you are because that's exactly where I am. And then he says in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This is one of my favorite pictures of Jesus that, that he gave us of himself. It's him as the shepherd. And, and he gave it to us in John chapter 10. Uh, we're going to put that up on, on the screen. You don't need to turn there. But in John chapter 10, listen to this. Listen to the good shepherd. This is our good shepherd, okay? We're the sheep. He's our good shepherd. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to say. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is so good. This, this, this passage right here is so good. So just, just stop, stop whatever you're doing. You, you're writing, you, 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 you're texting somebody, whatever. Just stop right here. Just, just look at me. If you in this room are, are, are wondering now, where do I stand with God? How does he feel about me, right? Maybe, maybe you're in a place where, where like guilt is your best friend right now, right? Or, or shame is your roommate, and, and that's, that's the way you're living right now. And you're thinking, I don't know how God feels about me. I don't know what, what he wants from me or how he wants to take care of me. I don't, I don't know about all of that. He's the good shepherd. We just read it, but I'm just going to kind of restate it for you. So listen very carefully. Here's what we just learned. We learned that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that's true for all of us. The enemy of God cares for himself only and he hates you. And he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to destroy your life. And he's going to do it by offering you a counterfeit life. Saying, this is good. This is just as good. No, no, I know what Jesus, yeah, Jesus, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This is good right here. Friends, absolutely. Popularity, fantastic. Success in your, in, in your career, absolutely. Money, all of these other things. Power, yes, these are just as good. But they're counterfeit. And he's going to use that lie to steal from you. And to kill you and destroy you. But listen, here's, here comes the good shepherd. But the good shepherd comes to bring abundant life. In fact, for the sheep to have that abundant life, the good shepherd lays his life down. The hired hand, I don't know, he'll, he'll, he won't protect the sheep. He protects himself. The wolf shows up, he's out. The hired hand doesn't care for the sheep. Someone who, who isn't Jesus or doesn't follow Jesus... They're going to say, yeah, 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 no, 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 I, I can help you through this. I can, I can show you the right way to go. This is, this is a wise decision here. This is what life is all about. But guess what? As soon as something happens, as soon as the, the sheep's dung hits the fan, what are they going to do? They're going to ghost. They're gone. They're leaving. Because they don't care. They don't care. But, but look at the good shepherd. But the good shepherd, he won't do that. He loves his sheep. You know how we know he loves the sheep? It says he knows them, and, and they know him. Do you, do you get that? He's not hiding anything from you. He's, he's not baiting and switching you, right? He's, he's, not, he's not tricking you into following him and saying, man, this is really tough. I can't believe that got him to do it, right? No, no, no. The good shepherd says, no, this is me. You want to follow me? This is me. You can know me, and, and I know you really well. So I care very much about you. And again, the love that the good shepherd has is what? That he lay down his life for his sheep because he loves his sheep. And if his sheep aren't where they're supposed to be, he's going to go get them. He's not going to go judge them or shame them or guilt them. He's going to rescue them. That's our good shepherd. Our good shepherd's the same one who says, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. I came to save it. And so for some of you today, maybe, maybe you came in here and you thought, like, I don't know where I stand 
with God. I don't know where I stand with Jesus, right? Like, I don't know what he thinks about me, what I've done to him or what I've done to my family or what I've done in my own life. Like, I don't, I don't know if we're on good terms. I don't know if, if he would even want to hear from me. That would be true if he were a thief. That, that would be true. He, he wouldn't want anything to do with you if he was a hired hand. But he's the good shepherd. He knows you and he loves you. And he laid down his life for you. And you're here today, not because you just walked in here just like aimlessly. You're here today because he brought you here today. He, you're here today, by the way, I hate to break it to you. You're in the danger zone. You're here today because he's after you. That's why he brought you here today. He's saying, come, would you come back here? Would you come back to me? So I don't, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you came from. I don't know where you're going when you leave here. But I do know this. I do know that there's a good shepherd who wants you, who loves you. If you need to give your life to that good shepherd, if you need to stop running, stop being that sheep that's just as soon as the gate opens, you're out. You need to stop running today. Stop running today. And you say, well, is the good shepherd going to be here? He's here right now. He's here right now. That's why you're here right now. Because he wants you here right now. Isn't that incredible? The good shepherd loves his sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So Jesus reveals himself as a good shepherd, and, and it, it, it might be my favorite picture he gives of himself. And then something funny happens. This guy Peter, that we, we're reading his letter, Jesus gives him that same calling. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And then he, he kind of tells Peter, now, now you shepherd my flock. Check this out in John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, that's Peter, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus reveals himself as a good shepherd, taking care of his church, taking care of his flock. And then he he even gives that same uh, calling on to Peter. And he says, you love me? You take care of those I love. You take care of my flock. And then Peter here in this letter is passing that same calling on to all elders and the elders of our church. And he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So oversee this flock. By the way, the, the Latin for oversee is where we get our English verb pastor, right? So, so pastor, there you see it. So oversee this flock, what? Of God. Elders have to remember that Jesus, according to verse 4 here in First Peter, Jesus is the chief shepherd. They are just under shepherds. Jesus is the chief shepherd. That means the elders do what the chief shepherd wants for the church. The elders do what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants it, right? They are under shepherds. And I think a good picture of this would probably be the coach, assistant coach idea, right? So the Super Bowl is a week from today. Anybody heard of that? That's coming up, Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, the Seattle Seahawks are who I'm pulling for. um, And their coach, their head coach, is Pete Carroll, right? Well, that's not my choice. But their head coach is Pete Carroll. And he has an assistant coach, uh, his assistant head coach named Tom. 
Tom Cable. What is Tom Cable's job? Tom Cable's job is to say, whatever Pete Carroll wants to accomplish with this team, however Pete Carroll wants to accomplish that, uh, I'm going to make sure it happens that way, in, in the way he wants it, when he wants it, how he wants it, right? What would happen if, if Pete Carroll had said, uh, you know what, guys, you're just not hustling enough, you need to hustle more. And then Tom comes behind him and says, guys, I know what he said, but seriously, we get paid either way. So just relax, all right? Like, you just relax. Like, you don't need to run that hard. Like, it's, that's, running's hard. Relax, right? Or Pete says, all right, guys, look, uh, Super Bowl's tomorrow, uh, curfew, 9 o'clock. Get in bed. We need our rest, okay? Like, we got, we got a Super Bowl to win tomorrow. And then Tom comes behind him. Hey, guys, I know what he said. Like, get your rest or whatever. Uh, but, like, when are you going to be in the Super Bowl again? I mean, come on. Let's go party, right? Like, what would happen to Tom? Tom would be in the ocean, right? Like something bad would happen to Tom, right? And, and so his job is to just, is, is to do whatever Pete Carroll wants him to do. It's to be an extension of him. In the same way, that's the elder's job. The job of the under-shepherd is not to make the flock follow their vision or meet their standards. Instead, an under-shepherd simply trying to emulate the chief shepherd in everything. Emulate his care, his vision, his authority, his discipline in everything. The under-shepherd is just trying to emulate the chief shepherd. It's all about the chief shepherd. And Peter outlines that in the rest, in, in their verse 2 through 3 we just read, of how a good under-shepherd oversees God's flock. Uh, an under, a good under-shepherd gladly serves according to the good shepherd's will and not out of compulsion. A good under-shepherd here in verse 2 is, uh, serves eagerly and not greedily. Pure service for the good of those he's serving, not for himself. A good under-shepherd sees, uh, sees themselves as an example and not a tyrant. What's the difference between an example and a tyrant? Uh, a tyrant points all fingers at himself by using power, right? Dominating others, using power to say, look at me, look how powerful I am. And, but a good under-shepherd is an example. He's pointing past himself to the source of his power, saying, look at him, look how powerful he is, right? And that's a good under-shepherd. So, so we've answered who are church leaders. We've answered what do they do. And now we need to answer why. Why pray for our church leaders? Three quick reasons. One, it's a command. 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, then I urge that, all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So it's a command of God for you to pray for our leaders. The second thing, uh, it's for your good. I think the principle of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 is applicable here. Although this scripture is talking about obedience, I think it's applicable to praying for our leaders. Check this scripture out. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as, though who will give, uh, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Although it's referring to obedience, I think the principle is applicable. They're watching over your soul, and that's very serious. They will give an account. All the elders of this church will give an account for your souls as they stand before God. It's a very serious thing. But if, they have to, if there's difficulty on them, if you make it difficult on them to do that, to, to oversee you, it's of no advantage to you. Making it harder on them makes it harder for God to bless you through them. So in the same way, we must pray for them. Any difficulty on them isn't helpful to you. Pray for them. 
And lastly, here's why you need to pray for them. They're just men. They're just men. Again, it's easy for us to idolize preachers and, and church leaders and say, wow, if I, man, if I could just be like, if I could just read the Bible like them, if I could just pray like them, oh, man, what? We are just men desperate for God's grace. That's it. I'm nothing outside of God's grace. Nothing. And the same grace of God that works in my life is the same grace of God that works in your life. The same Holy Spirit who indwells me is the same Holy Spirit who indwells you. I'm nothing outside of the grace of God. Nothing. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. That's what Paul said. Paul said, no one sins better than I do, right? Like, I'm the man, right? Well, well, Paul's gone. So I would say I've probably taken up that mantle, right? I'm nothing without the grace of God. And neither of our elders. So pray for them. Paul asked for prayer over and over and over. Why? Because he wasn't special. He was just a man. It was the Holy Spirit in him that was special. And that's the same for you too. Fight for them by praying for them. So lastly, let's answer how. How do we pray for our church leaders? Well, one, pray for their family. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, you see uh, the requirements for elders. It's a pretty daunting list there. And one of them is, it has to do with their family. It says in verse 4, He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So one of the requirements for our elders is to manage their household well. Where do you think the enemy is going to attack them? In their household, right? And there's pressure on church, church's leaders, church leaders' families. Excuse me. One, probably the biggest one, is time management. Right? Time management. This isn't just a job. I don't punch in and punch out, right? I can't, you can't call me on Saturday and say, hey, um, my aunt's really sick. She's in the ICU. Would you please come pray with us? Come visit with us? I can't say, make an appointment. Uh, I'll see you Monday morning, 930. All right? That's, that's my earliest for visitations, right? Like, no, it's not just a job, right? There's a, there's a calling. I'll stand before God for your souls. Do you understand? It's not just a job. So, so there's this balancing act of my family needs me and, and, and you need me, right? There's a balancing act. The, the elders' families need them, but, but you need them as well. They're, they've been called to you. So, so there's always that balancing act. That's why I always ask this question. On Thursdays, Thursday's my day off, and on Thursdays, I always ask this question. If someone needs me to do something, I always ask, is it worth my kids' time, right? Because I, that's, that's daddy time right there. Like they know no matter what, Thursday's daddy time. And so, so I always ask that question, is it my kid's time? So there's always that balancing act there. Uh, another thing, church families uh, feel pressure, church leaders' families. Well, what kind of traps? What does it say? He must be well thought of by outsiders. So he's setting up reputation traps, public traps for them, right? If you were to Google pastor disgraced, what do you find? What are the stories you find? Well, well here's what you find. You find adultery, pornography, drug use, uh, and, and money. That's what you find. Those are the main things you find. So out of that and, and, and out of my own experience, there are three things. I think if you want to pray for protection for your elders, pray these three things. Pray for their pride. So pray for humility in their life. Pray against pride. Pray that the Lord would keep them humble. Pray for greed. Pray that the Lord would continually give them a generous and grateful heart. Um, and pray lastly for their lust. Pray for pure hearts. Pray that they would treat younger women as sisters in all purity and older women as mothers in all purity. Pray for those three things. And overall, you want to pray for their protection? Pray for accountability. 
Pray that they would have godly accountability in their life. Also, pray for their physical health. Brother John said recently, um, he said, you know, he's been doing funerals his whole life, but he said, lately, I'm not just burying church members. I'm burying friends now. And that takes it out of you, right? That takes it out of you. I uh, uh, got a call, I don't know, maybe six months ago from somebody saying, we might need you to come do a funeral, someone from an old church. We might need you to come do a funeral. Um, this, this father of a three-month-old uh, fell asleep with the baby in the bed, rolled over and suffocated the baby. We might need you to come do the funeral. You might need to meet with the family and do this funeral. I was devastated. It wrecked me. It wrecked me. I was exhausted. Just, just dealing with that, just going to the Lord with that alone was exhausting. I, I, I I'm not talking about even doing the funeral. I'm not talking about even meeting with the family. You can imagine how exhausting and draining that is. But, but just getting that phone call was exhausting. And so pray for the physical health. I think one of the interesting things, when you look at Paul's letter to Timothy, he tells him, hey, by the way, I know your stomach's kind of being upset. Don't just drink water anymore. Drink some wine. That'll help your stomach. Now, I'm not talking about, like, I'm not at all making comments um, on alcohol. That's not what my point here. But here's my point, is that what Paul is saying to Timothy is saying, hey, look, take care of yourself, man. Why is Paul saying that? Because Paul knows. Paul knows the physical toll it takes on you uh, to, do, to follow God's calling. And so Paul's looking out for him. He's like, I don't know if anybody else cares about your health, but I do. Take care of yourself, man. Drink some more wine, right? Any of you want to give me that, that same recommendation? Grant, just drink more wine, right? But anyway, um, I'll, I will if I have to. All right, so lastly, pray for this for him. Pray for their wisdom. Pray for wisdom for them personally, in their families, in their relationships. Pray, pray that they would be wise and walk in a manner worthy of the calling that God's put on their life, right? So pray for that personal wisdom. Pray for wisdom as they govern the church. So pray for God's wisdom in the labyrinth of church decisions and conflicts and crises that they have to deal with. Pray for that. Pray for wisdom in preaching and teaching. This is so ridiculously important. And I understand that, that, that yes, some of our elders, yes, they teach and things like that, but... But, but talking about preaching and teaching specifically, I understand this, this speaks maybe more to me and Brother John, but I'm going to beg you that you do this, that you please pray for wisdom for this. Pray for God's wisdom to fill the preaching and teaching proclaimed through our church leaders. Pray for God's power and His anointing on every single word. Pray protection from frivolity and apathy when it comes to the Word of God in our elders' lives. Pray that they would be set on fire by the Word of God. Please pray for wisdom when it comes to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God in our churches. So I want to conclude with this. Uh, if you read the book, if you read chapter 4, one of the last things that Tom Rainer, the, the, uh, the writer of the book, says is as long as when he was a pastor, he's no longer a pastor, he, he's president of Lifeway, when he was a pastor, he would ask this same thing. And he asks this at the end of the chapter. And I thought, man, this is simple. It's not, it's not overbearing. It's just, it's helpful. He asked that they would commit five minutes a day to praying for their pastor. Now, I'm going to ask that you commit to five minutes a day for praying for our, our elders. On the back of your notes there, you have the list of our church elders. And I'm going to ask that you commit five minutes a day to praying for them. You might pick one elder for the week. You might cycle through that list. every. You know, like, like maybe Monday you pray for Brother John. Maybe Tuesday you pray for Randy. Maybe uh, Wednesday you pray for Chris. You might cycle through that list uh, daily. You might cycle through that list weekly, monthly. I don't know. But I would ask you, please pray 
for your church leaders. Please pray for your elders five minutes a day. I want God to do incredible things in and through this church. And for that to happen, we need him to fall down on this place in a crazy way so that it's him doing everything. And that means he needs to fall on our elders in a crazy way. And we need him to start there with our leaders. So pray for them. So here's how, how I want to end today. Whoever's doing the music, you, you can come on up. Here's how I want to end today. I want to end with prayer for them, for our church leaders. Now, I didn't ask their permission because they wouldn't have given it to me. But I, I'm going to ask our church elders to come forward. Come on forward. I can't. I can't do it. No, your leaders. Shut up. Come on. Come on forward. All right. Can you walk to the front of the room? Whatever elders are here. I know not all of our elders are in this room right now. But come forward. Man, could I get you guys to spread out? Is that cool? Don't stand shoulder to shoulder. If you could stand a, a good distance apart, a good distance apart. I know you don't like each other anyway. Those meetings are rough. So just spread out even more, guys, even more. Spread out, spread out, spread out. Excellent. Um, and here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask, as, as the music starts, I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to ask, if you feel comfortable, would you come pray with them? Would you come pray for them? They are just men. They desperately need the grace of God. They're desperate for it. And they want to serve you. They want to serve our church to see God's fame spread in a way we've never experienced. And for that to happen, we need you to pray for these men. We need you to beg heaven for them. Please. I'm going to ask you to do that. But, but here's, here's the other thing. I'm going to stand right there. And I'm going to ask that you don't come pray around me. If you want to pray for me, please do. Oh, my gosh. Talk about the, the biggest loser among these men. Me, all right? I absolutely need your prayer. But I'm going to ask you don't gather around me, and here's why. There's some in this room. You need to meet the good shepherd today. You do. Maybe you've been running and you're embarrassed. That's fine. Come today. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you never followed Jesus. Maybe you come to church, sure. But you've never given him your life. And you need to do that today. I'm going to be right there. I'm not going to have anybody around me or anything like that. If you want to pray for me, please, do from a distance. That's great. Thank you. I, can, I can't tell you how much that means to me. But I'm going to stand right there for anybody who needs to come meet the Good Shepherd today. I am not him. Oh, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm his weakest under-shepherd. But I know him, and you can too. I'll be right there. You come talk to me. Let's pray together. What, whatever. You come talk to me, all right? I'm going to pray for us when I finish praying. You, you do what you need to. You come forward, pray with these men, gather around them. Uh, if you need to come talk to me, come talk to me. If you need to stay where you are and pray, whatever, your time, you respond, however God wants you to respond. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you for your love for us. Lord God, it makes no sense to me that the good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. We've been so faithless. We've literally been your enemies. And yet the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Thank you for that example. And Lord, I, I think I'm in agreement with my brothers and sisters here that we want to see you show up and do crazy things here to spread your fame. We want to see people who were dead in their sin come to life 
in knowing you. We want to see needs met. We want to see difficulties overcome. I want to see you do things that only you can do. And Lord, we understand that if that's the desire of our heart, then we have to pray for our church leaders. We have to beg you to come and move through these men. For some reason, you've chosen these men to do it. And so, Lord, we trust you. We trust your reasoning there. And it's our job just to support them and fight for them by praying for them. Lord, may that habit start today for a lot of us. And Lord, for those in this room that they need to surrender to the Good Shepherd for the first time, maybe some in this room, they need to just come home. Lord, give them the courage to come talk with me, come pray with me. Um, but do your, do your will this, this, in this time. Have your way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.